welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> I'm going to uh, keep this very short because I uh, just had a battle with the flu that uh, wiped me out for most of this past week. So I'm recording this one last minute. Uh, this intro and outro, the podcast was recorded when I was nice and healthy. Uh, influenza. I haven't had the flu since 2003. Boy, I happily never get that again. Anyways, excuse me. Today, you get to enjoy my discussion, my chat with David Matthew Barnes. Uh, He is a best-selling author. He's written uh, novels, collections of poetry, short stories, more than 70 stage plays that have performed in uh, three different languages in 12 different countries. He writes across all different genres, which uh, fascinates me, not only different <coughs> different kinds of writing, uh, different styles, but uh, different genres. Uh, so very fun to talk with uh, David Matthew Barnes. Uh, he was uh, a lot of fun. This conversation just flew by for me. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Again, I'll be quick on the intro and outro today because, uh, oof. I hope you can't hear how nasally I uh, I feel. So with that, enjoy the episode. Here's me and David Matthew Barnes. All right, everybody. I am now super pleased to welcome David Matthew Barnes to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well also. Thank you very much. Uh, it's it's nice to have someone who doesn't make me mess up their name instantly <laughs> off the bat because I've, I've been on a bad stretch of just fumbling, <laughs> fumbling names. So <laughs> David Matthew Barnes, I can get that all day. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, we, we owe that to my parents. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to them. <laughs> uh yeah no if i can't say that uh i'm too drunk to record so you know it's a good (laughs) that's a good measure yeah yeah it's a good test (laughs) i like to i like to build these tests in my life where it's like if i'm thinking this or doing this i need to shut it down i'm too drunk (laughs) um so you uh i I wanted to have you on um because you're writing Uh, well i guess that's pretty obvious. Uh, you do a lot of different things, uh, and that I, I'm fascinated by that because a lot of times somebody writes novels, and that's great. I admire that, but they just write novels, or they just write screenplays, or they just write this or that, and you kind of uh, cross everything off the list, or you know everything I can think of. Um, so, I guess to to kind of go start from the beginning, what what drew you into wanting to write? Oh, that's a great question. I um I owe I owe teachers for that actually. Um, so my second grade school teacher, Mrs. Carter. I don't know if she's still with us, but Mrs. Carter, uh, I have to pay tribute where where I can. Um, she uh had given us an assignment in second grade to write a Halloween themed story, anything of our choice, and I turned in a 
five page epic. Uh, and, and she sat me down and kept me after school. And I thought I was in trouble. Like I had done the assignment wrong or, and she's like, I, I'm going to call your mom. And I thought, Oh gosh, I'm in a lot of, you know, I'm seven years old. And you're like, you're going to call my mom, please don't Mrs. Carter. Uh, but she said, you know, you're, you're, you have a gift for writing. And so she had a conversation with my mother um, to really sort of plant that seed to get, get, the encouragement from from home life that that she thought I needed, um, and I did. I got that for sure from from my mom, and uh, and then my sixth grade school teacher, um, she only had one name, so we just called her Mavi. She was like the Beyonce before Beyonce, um, <laughs> so we never knew her last name, quite honestly. But she was this very like like you know bohemian, just wonderful woman of all kinds of arts, and very very supportive of my creative expression. I had written, um, I'd spent a lot of time as a child with my grandmother, and she had her stories, which were her programs that she watched every day. And one of those was uh, the soap opera The Young and the Restless. So, at eight, nine, ten years old, I was you know sat down in front of a TV watching a soap opera that was well above my. But I was fascinated with it. As a, as a viewer, because of the multiple stories and the plots and all of the the great you know cliffhangers and so and I was just glued to the story part of it, and so I wrote this thing. It was called Life Isn't Easy. I, I don't know if you remember those spiral notebooks that we had in like grade oh, school, yeah. but I filled <laughs> it up with uh, it was a it was a story. It was I I I think I was writing a novel without realizing I was writing a novel. And it was a tribute to soap operas. And I had like nurses and doctors and rich people and just, you know, all the things that you would see, very all the stereotypes and tropes from from soap operas. And Mavi said, I don't know what play we're going to do. And my friend, my best friend at the time, Christina, said, well, David Matthew wrote a soap opera. And she's like, really? And so she took my notebook home over the weekend. And I was just like on edge the entire weekend. And when I got back, she had written, she had taken what I wrote and adapted it into a stage play and said, this is gonna be our sixth grade stage play. So I got my first play produced in sixth grade, but funny story, the title is Life Isn't Easy. And this is back at like, I'm quite older. So like the mimeograph machines that like you could get high off just from smelling. Um, uh, she created the, the flyer, or the school office created the flyer and instead of, life isn't easy it said lice isn't easy and so everybody in the so my playwriting career began with a typo everybody in the play was like we can't be in this play everyone's gonna think we have lice and blah, blah. i mean you can imagine being in sixth grade and being in something called lice isn't easy it was just traumatic beyond belief so she took all five mavi took all 500 flyers home over a weekend and used a black marker and changed the c to an f God bless her wherever she is. And uh, and so we were we were relieved. And, you know, my mom showed up and sold Rice Krispie Treats during intermission and did her part and so forth. And it was the first time for me to, like, see something of mine up on its feet. And even at the age of 11, 12, I was like, yep, I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I, I owe teachers. Teachers have just been so phenomenally supportive to me, uh, second to librarians, of course. Um, and uh, just... Yeah, and and seeing adults that were doing what I wanted to do in terms of being having an artistic, creative life was just really inspiring for me. And I ended up teaching myself later down later in life. So that's yeah. great. That's 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 the kind of thing as a as a parent, you know, it's you dream of having teachers like that 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 recognize gifts and and encourage them. That you know, mm -hmm. two teachers who obviously actually cared a lot about you and, and wanted you yeah. to succeed.
I was also sitting here. I put a C on a piece of paper to see how easy it was to change it into an F. <laughs> yeah. Depending on whether it's uppercase or lowercase, it's not yeah. super easy. <laughs> right, for sure. No, and I, I yeah, just that extra step and uh, that she took was just such a, a you know, I don't know if anyone's ever done something quite to that extreme for me since then, but but it's you know, it started me on a path and then um when I was about 13, I didn't I didn't have a whole lot growing up. I um my my mom bought a secondhand typewriter for me and uh, gave that to me when I was 13. And she, I know you don't know how to type, but here you go. And I think she knew that I needed that tool to be able to take things to the next level. And I published my first short story that I wrote on that typewriter two years later when I was 15 and then have never looked back since. So um, just really great. I've had such great support along the ways and, and, you know, still do to this day of just really wonderful people, great support system that, um, hopefully have my best interest at heart. So, <laughs> on a good day, I believe that. So. <laughs> yeah, on a bad day, they're all out to get me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that's that's great. And I, you know, I, I like to hear that because I do think uh, as someone who, and I'm not, you know, necessarily trying to get into writing. Like I, I'm somebody, actually, this will segue nicely to a question I was going to ask you. Uh, I'm somebody who who gets my inspiration for for writing things. I have very vivid dreams. Mm. Um, in fact, they're they're actually too vivid. If I do not drink, I sleep like 30 minutes at a time, and I get startled wow. awake. Um, few drinks, I'm in a nice sleep zone. Uh, you know, start drinking at 2:30 in the afternoon. I won't have dreams tonight, <laughs> or they'll be very hazy. <laughs> Um, but I have vivid dreams of that, you, you know, I'll wake up from some of these and be like, that would make a great movie. Yeah. Uh, that's usually how my mind works instead of novel. It's that would make a great movie. So I've got multiple screenplays. I'm like, you know, between 30 to 75% done with that. It's Good. like, I just got to get some meat in there. Cause the dream, you know, I actually have to, you know, be creative if the dream didn't tell me everything. <laughs> um, that being said, so again, we I mentioned too, you you do so many different kinds of mm -hmm. writing. Um, where, you know, where is there something specific that gives you inspiration? Is it just you get an idea and you say, this would make a great short story, this would make a great movie, a novel, or how do you go about that whole process? Yeah, no, that's another great question. So um, I consider myself a professional eavesdropper. So where, wherever I go, the bank, the post office, the grocery store, you name it, I'm listening to conversations. And I, I don't even know like how many, especially my stage plays and my movies, um, uh, have come from conversations that I was definitely not a part of, but I was standing in proximity to, and I'm literally taking notes. I, my uh, A play I have coming out later this year, it's called, uh, What Do You Know About Such Things? The entire play, I kid you not, came from a conversation I was listening to in a Chinese restaurant while I was having lunch. And I was just like, on napkins just take because it, it was so rich like i'm like thank you universe for letting me be here at this time stories find me too i really feel like a satellite and like people love to tell me their stories and then i'm like everything's fair game just to be honest and i'm gonna probably steal this for a new book but um and dreams too I, i'm glad you brought that up because like my most recent screenplay that i just finished um it's a comedy called willa cather would not approve the idea 
yeah, it came to me from a dream. I I saw this woman in a like wheat field somewhere like in the Midwest, and she was trying to collect fireflies in like a mason jar. And I don't know where this came from. And uh, I that image kept coming back. And I thought, okay, there's something here. There's something cinematic here, like you were saying about that vividness of a dream. And uh, I went with it. And I and it took me a while, kind of like what you were talking about. Um, I always struggle with the middle. I don't know if that's you too, but yeah. <laughs> like I, I know where I know how a movie is or a play or whatever I'm writing a novel, how I'm getting into it, and I know I'm how I'm getting out of it. But the bridge in the middle is like anyone's guess at this point. So yeah. that's the struggle for me as a writer. Is that, and I think a lot of writers go through that. Is that I have the original idea, I've got a great concept, it came to me from something I heard or a dream, but that middle section that I've got to type. The beginning of the into is 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 where the real for me is where the world real work happens for sure. But yeah, I'm I just you know everywhere I go, I'm just really lucky that I'll hear great stuff. And people think I'm texting a lot on my phone, but I'm really putting <laughs> notes. Into I'm like really yeah. And uh, you know I I I write about um, seemingly ordinary people experiencing. Uh, extraordinary circumstances and how those circumstances impact their life. So that's why I think I'm so in tuned with conversations and listening to people and stories from real people's lives and so forth, because that's really the stuff that I write. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you want to try to be as authentic as possible. <laughs> so um, that's always the goal, at least. So, but yeah, I and dreams, I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you, and I really listen or pay attention to the dreams because um, sometimes you have to dig a little bit, but you'll find the gold in there in terms of story content. So it's really exciting, though, that you've got some screenplays in progress. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, and and it's exactly the same as you said. It's the middle part where it's like I remember the beginning. I remember some of the middle, but the beginning and the end are the main linchpins to this story. And it's like, ah, uh, now I gotta actually think. <laughs> I'm not gonna dream the second act. I just gotta make it up myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny too the way you you talked about uh, coming up with ideas. That's so similar to uh, stand up comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, really, it's like I do the same thing all the time. I'm pulling out my phone to make notes. You know, it's something funny happens to me or around me, and I'm pulling out my phone, jotting something down. Unfortunately, sometimes they're so short that I'm like, I don't remember what that <laughs> was. <laughs> like the cliff notes version i get it for sure but it's i i i, I love that you do that because i do something very similar too and then I, I i always have the same struggle too it's like what what did i mean here it's like trying to figure out my own my own coding um but it's you know life is so rich and so extraordinary and just i think just going through every day uh material whether you're doing stand-up comedy or whether you're writing a screenplay or whatever is i just love when that stuff lands with me and just finds me and i'm like gosh thank you for this like stuff i could never have imagined in a million years on my own um but i think it's really important as creative people just to like be open to that because i think sometimes people think especially young writers will think oh i know ever i have all my stories planned i don't want any new material and i think like you know years ago i just was like okay universe i'm going to be open you're going to send me stories doesn't mean i'm going to write all of them but at least the material is there to choose from and sometimes that's the hardest thing when you're sitting down at the computer is like okay what am i writing about today <laughs> what is in the well it's funny so what i do too uh is sometimes i'll have little moments so I was, <laughs> I was actually 
and and I don't know where I'm going to use this, but I'm like, this has to be a tiny little part in a, a movie, a TV show, something where I was leaving. I, I was filming a comedy sketch show at somebody's house. I was I was acting in it and I was going to leave and I was kind of in a hurry because I had to go pick up my son from school. And there was a little kid, five years old, four years old, and he was just standing behind my car. And I'm like, I have to pull out of the driveway. I'm like, hey, little buddy, is everything cool? And he's holding like a train that he made out of like these magnet uh, block things. Uh, and he puts it down behind my car and just slowly backs away without saying a word. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you got to get your toy. I don't want to run it over. And he just slowly backs. This was in a cul-de-sac. He slowly just backs across the cul-de-sac. I guess he lives across the, the, the way. <laughs> just slowly kept backing up. So I go, I'm like, buddy, do you want this? And he just keeps backing away. So I just, I put it down. And when I put it down, it breaks. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this kid doing? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, he's not behind. I just need to leave. I can't think about this. But I'm like, I feel like that's just a weird scene to throw. Like, it's just a weird, <laughs> like I wrote it yeah. down. Like, just remember that at some point, that's going to fit into a movie where it's just a random thing. The kid might be nothing, but it's just. Yeah, such no, I, I agree with you. That's, that's. <laughs> That's, yeah, you've got to definitely use that in something that's gold for sure. Yeah, it's a, I, there was kind of a creepy factor to it too, like a little, you know, the Twilight Zone kind of side of things. What's in the, what's really that toy symbolized and so forth. But yeah, I know anytime you put things with children in something, there's always, for me, there's always like potential creep factor of some kind. I don't know why, but there is. I probably watch too many horror movies. That's why. But. I, I'm assuming, I like to think he just wanted me to run over his toy to see what would happen. Like yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. So he just wanted to stay quiet and see what happened. I, I'm hoping. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> I've got some curse on me. <laughs> yeah, sure. But it was such a weird and I'm like, I hope no one else sees me and thinks I'm trying to lure a little boy to me with a toy. <laughs> the whole yeah. thing was just. There's a lot of different ways you can go with it in a story. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, write yeah. that down. That's something. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I do sometimes, too, is I'll take something like that and I'll I'll uh, turn it upside down and like, you know, just kind of distort it a little bit and I'll, I'll try it in different genres. Like I'll go for the comedy or I'll go for the, the thriller or whatever the case may be. Um, but my, my thing too always is when that stuff finds me is like, what form is this going to fit in? Is this a novel? Is this a poem screenplay? Is this need to be a movie? Uh, and that's kind of fun. You know, that sort of trying to figure out, navigate that, that piece of like, okay, I've got this great idea. Like the one you have. Okay. Now is this, and yours to me feels very cinematic. Like I'm like, that has got to be in a film and on the screen, but um, sometimes it's a little bit harder for me to be like, you know, this could be a play or this could be a book or this could be. And so, cause I write in, like you were saying, I write in all those different forms. Uh, that's one of the fun things about what I do is trying to figure out what genre is this and what form is this? So yeah, but you know, as long as those ideas keep coming, I'm going to keep writing them. So <laughs> what, I mean, what goes into, because I've thought that again, even with some of my things, it's like, maybe this would be a better book if I could actually sit down and write it like a book. Mm-hmm. I used to be a good writer, but, you know, I, I haven't written creatively since high school. So, I mean, mm. I guess screenplay writing is creative writing, but not the same. Your, yeah. you know, directions on this, what the thing looks like is kind of basic compared to a, a novel. Um, so what goes into it in your mind? Is it just how you visualize it? You know, how you think it will be most effective or? 
Yeah, and I'm not always right. So, <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm you know second guessing myself each step of the way. I um, I wrote a play, a short play called A Sort of Madness, and um, it's about it's set in Madrid and Spain in like the 1960s. It's about this beautiful American woman who uh, breaks off her engagement and runs away because she's sort of obsessed with the film star Ava Gardner and sort of wants to emulate her life after. And this was a stage play. And I thought, okay, this will work on stage. But nothing happened with that play. It was like zero response. Like it was dead in the water from the moment I wrote it. And and it sat there for like two years. And then I had a dream and I was like, oh, this this needs to be a movie and not a stage play. And so I went back and I rewrote it, basically adapting it, more, making it more cinematic than theatrical. And I sent it, I just was like, okay, I'm going to test the water and see what happens. <laughs> like the first three places that I sent it to were like, yep, here's an award. And I was like, instincts, <laughs> you know, you just got to follow those instincts. And so, um, you know, it's in, in not always, allowing yourself to not always have the answers, I think is a big part of being a creative person when you're sitting down to create a project. And, you know, some, sometimes I'm, I'm right. And it's like, yep, this was supposed to be a book and it was a book all along, but other times you have to shift things. But I will tell you, writing in those different forms really help me write the other forms. So the forms sort of inform each other. So like when I'm writing in poetry, it's all about brevity of language. And then I can use that, like you were talking about in screenplays to keep everything very sparse and very specific and very like moving forward. So I kind of like allow the different forms to continue to teach me so that I'm hopefully becoming a better, better writer along the, along the way. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, I obviously love what I do, but there's, you know, great challenges to it to kind of keep you on your toes a little bit, keep you awake. <laughs> so, <laughs> What, uh, what writer's block is, is probably mm -hmm. the thing that I would assume anyone who's ever tried to write anything, even, yeah. even school kids have writer's block when they're For sitting sure. down trying to write a paper. Um, do you have any uh, I don't know, exercises or, yeah. or kind of things you do when you're just at a brick wall? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, where, uh, my friend Andrea Patton wrote a great book called The Inner Critic. And a lot of times what's happening is that that inner critic gets stuck in there somewhere. That voice is like, you suck, you're not good enough, this is crap, whatever, whatever that voice is telling you. And sometimes I think that can be the big thing that's sort of getting in the way of creativity happening. So you got to turn that off. Easier said than done. Easier said. That's, I mean, I struggle with that. Um, but it's just uh, being aware of it, being mindful of it and just saying, okay, that same voice is popping up and it's saying the same stuff and it's deterring me from success or from finishing something. So I really, I do free writing. I get stuck sometimes too. So what I do is I'll get my phone and put it down and I'll set a timer for five minutes and I'll just, I'll just literally like throw words on a page, not great words, but I'm just writing. Cause writing, I feel like is like a muscle. It's like a thing, something that needs to be exercised. And the more you do it, the more it's sort of like your body and all of those different things can kind of fall into place. And it's like, Oh, it's time to write now and I'm going to write. But I think getting there is, is tough. And what you can do is just, you know, a minute, two minutes, whatever feels comfortable to you, sit down and just whatever's in your mind, stream of consciousness, just get it out on page. Because then you're actually doing the physical act of writing. And then when you stop and take a break or whatever and you come back, sometimes it's a little easier to, to reignite or restart and and go forward. But um, I think it's just so important to get words on paper. Now, I, I write every morning, but they're not great words. I just get something down and then I go back and edit on the weekends. But 
and if that works for people do that but um a lot of times two people will edit as they go as they're writing and i really the teacher in me i'm going to sound like a teacher for a second uh it's uh is like don't do that because it's really i think that's stopping the creative flow because if you're so mm. worried about trying to achieve perfection in your first or second draft you know you gotta you gotta hang tight so i say just get it out and then go back and, and reshape it i also think it's really important to take breaks so you you know write for an hour and get up and go you know walk the dog wash dishes whatever you want to do and then come back to it because then the, the you've got a, a, a better fresher perspective of what you've what you've written so now those work for me i everybody's different but i think that that sitting down and just doing some free writing usually can get that creativity going and moving and doing all the things it needs to do for you gotcha yeah all good advice i i had noticed when uh i i started comedy i started doing comedy february of 21 uh and even though Florida was relatively open for a while before that, um, social activity had cut down quite a bit regardless, you know, a more, more going over to a friend's house and drinking than going out to bars and, and interacting mm. with hundreds of people. Uh, uh, and I did find sometimes it's like, I just got to get out and just, I don't want to say people watch, but one of the most fruitful days I had was, uh, I, I brought my car for an oil change and there's a, you know, walking distance to a mall and I walked around the mall and then they called me and they, you know, messed up my lug nuts. So they, I had to wait another couple hours and uh, I just was walking around the mall aimlessly. Eventually I ended up at a Chili's drinking um, just a few drinks because I didn't <laughs> have to drive home. <laughs> but I got home and I'm like, Oh my God, I got all this stuff that I've thought of while I was at the mall because I was just out doing things and not sitting, you know, yeah. sitting at home. Because sometimes I do think, at least with me, that's where I get the paralysis is it's like I'm just interacting with a screen all day. Well, you know, that kind of, it's, it, it's it, lonely. It's yeah. lonely work. I mean, when you think about what we both do, it's kind of, it's just like us on a computer screen or like, you know, our coworkers or our characters and something. It's, and it's just, you know, you, and, and I agree with you. I think that interaction is, is so key and critical just to be able to, um, I mean, I imagine through stand-up comedy too. I mean, so much of what you're doing is sort of replicating real life on stage but poking at it from a from a funny, you know, finding the humor and in, in even the craziest of situations. Um, and I, I, I would I, I'm trying to imagine like not having that piece of interaction, like what you were talking about. The pandemic was rough for so many people, myself included, just for that very reason, because like what you were talking about, yeah. you're so used to having this, uh, you know, uh, full access to people and their behaviors and all of their quirks that make for great material. And then you're suddenly like, oh, I'm stuck at home. <laughs> you know, So it's like, I'm only going to be so funny or, or entertaining about myself or only so creative. I can only mine so much out of my own life before I'm like, okay, there's no more material. Right. Uh, so, yeah. 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 It's I, one of the, the, the only thing I, I would say before I even, was digging into creative endeavors. I was working on a, a whole idea for a TV series and it was very much based on my office job. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it was the same occupation, the same, it was a, you know, it was, it was not the office, 
because was better. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I, um, I think the documentary, mockumentary style, cheats a little bit. I mean, it's it was brilliant, but I think nowadays it's overdone a little bit. In, in breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to the camera, yeah, it makes it uh, it makes it too easy. Like I, I, I like, um, and I love The Office. I'll, I'll tell you, I've got 80 episodes on my DVR because it's constantly recording on Comedy <laughs> Central because my kids love watching it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, we don't have anything to watch. I'm making dinner. My son throws The Office on. He's nine years yeah. old. I don't think he gets half the humor, but he <laughs> loves watching it for some reason. Um, so not knocking The Office, but no, I'm, I'm, uh, it was more of a, uh, a shameless type comedy in my eyes where it's like, it's kind of dark and gritty, but it is a comedy. Oh, I love shameless. That's a huge, wonderful show. Yeah. So that was my idea. But once I left, you know, once I left office work, it was like, my inspiration's gone. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's been years now since I've worked in an office or yeah, it's been more than two years since I've worked in an office. So, I mean, that's, it's kind of like, uh, I've lost the, lost the touch with that material kind of yeah and i feel like i feel like we as creative people you have to i feel like we're constantly readapting like just because like our life life changes and things happen i mean you have kids and i'm sure the comedy before you had kids with the material versus after are probably two very different different realms i would imagine you know just how life affects us and things that happen it's it's interesting that's one i've never been able to do anything involving my kids in uh stand up which i i want to do but it's like at the same time (laughs) yeah There there are some of those like sacred things like there's just some things from our lives that I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like some stuff's just not shareable. Like some stuff you gotta you gotta keep to yourself and to your life because uh, otherwise, you know, you know, you have nothing left that's really truly yours and privately yours. But yeah, yeah, they probably, was, they're, they're gonna appreciate that when they're older for sure. That right. That's and, and I've had I've had my kids. My daughter had a has a pre recorded segment for this podcast that I haven't done in a long time, where she introduces. I did an urban dictionary segment. And she introduces my dad's not hip, uh, you know, but he he tries to be. So here he's looking up a new word on Urban Dictionary, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> That's funny. And she has an IMDb page as well for for you know being on the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and, and they both, my son and daughter, both did a, a mock draft uh, thing for a, a sports website I contribute to. Um, so I'll let them do that stuff, but it's like. I don't want to air their shit on stage because even whether it's true or not, because a lot of times stand up is completely fabricated, made up stuff. Yeah. I can't really, I'm not creative enough to completely make stuff up. I can slightly exaggerate, but um, it's like in the off chance that this became a famous bit, I, my poor child would be scarred for life right. <laughs> potentially. Uh, or, you know, my daughter's in middle school now, so she listens to she listens to podcasts, mm-hmm. not my podcast, because I label <laughs> most of them explicit, so she can't listen to them. Right. But, but she listens to podcasts about Taylor Swift, mostly, which is. Eh. <laughs> well, middle school is hard enough to, right. to, to navigate as a, as a young person, I can I can only imagine. But 
Yeah, no, that's that's good that you. I mean, that you've got those boundaries and those parameters. I, 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 I don't have kids, but I, I certainly, you know, certain areas. I'm just like I'm not going to go there in my material. I don't. Nobody needs to know about that particular part of my life. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's to be mindful, you know, being mindful of our own, our own stuff and where it fits and how it could impact others. I think that's yeah. constantly a, a big challenge. You know, as a writer, you know, you put your name on something. I'm sure it's very similar to what you do, too. And it's kind of like, okay, I feel this, like, deep set of responsibility for the content because my name is on it. And, you know, how this is going to be. You I mean, you never know how someone's going to perceive something. You have, you know, no control over that. But I do feel that sort of like, oh, my name's on it. So I need to make sure that it's at least, you know, the quality and the, you know, all that kind of yeah. good stuff is there. That, that gets tricky because I've been trying to get... Uh, into acting more because I just kind of cast a wide net and I'm like, look, I love all this stuff. I love all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm going to try it all. The things I like the most are the things I'm going to put the most effort into mm -hmm. and acting's fun. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, oof, this is a, you know, this is a rough line. I didn't write it, but I am the one saying it. Yeah. And it's, it, it's never been anything over over the line but sometimes it's like uh, i don't know if i want to say this on camera but i guess if it's in a sketch it's you know understood that i'm just performing uh and again yeah. nothing nothing too far because there there was once a, a line where i'm like nah i'm not doing that sorry that's good that you that you drew the line on the line because it's a i feel for actors i think about actors when i'm when i'm writing screenplays and the end stage plays but especially with movies because movies are so widely available and distributed that you know and if you end up in something that's sort of defining uh you know like steve corral with the office and and like when we see him we immediately think of him in that character um you know that that content's going to stay with you forever and so it, you know especially in this day and age of cancel culture and everything streaming and everything's accessible these days so um, I yeah I feel I'm, I'm consciously aware of that of like uh, an actor has to say this <laughs> so just choose those words very carefully because you don't want to screw up someone's creative professional life you know it, just it, it, a... yeah and it's weird because uh, you know if you're writing a truly sinister evil character they should mm -hmm. say some terrible things mm -hmm, I mean depending on what kind of evil they are of course but uh, it's like. I still, I mean, part of it's like, I still don't feel comfortable even writing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, I, I sent in <laughs> a video audition, talk about being your own worst self-critic. Cause I, I, I'm like, this is the worst. This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, I'm never going to nail it. I'm just going to send it in. But I was reading more about the part um, because I got the sides for the character, just the short yeah. thing. But I was able to find sides for another character. And there's a scene where I'm like, oh, if I get this role, I, I have to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it involved being in tidy whiteies. I'm like, oof. I <laughs> first feature film that's just yeah, what i want definitely <laughs> negotiate up front negotiate up front is what it might because you yeah because again you know negotiate up front it, meaning i get the stuff before <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean i'd make you know get the get the get the check yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, yeah. I mean, the, I, you know, I think we live in a world that there's very few things people won't do for uh, mm-hmm. salary, <laughs> money, cash. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, I think it gets down to everyone's own, like, if we have them anymore, personal moral codes. But, you know, I, I you know, I mean, I've, I've definitely like, you know, um, in my early, early years, the me, me hungry these really awful just terrible scripts that they would be like can you fix this and i'd be like i'll certainly try my best and i remember one of them was um it was a female character and she was a stripper slash ninja and i yeah i mean there's an audience i gotta tell you there's an audience for everything so somebody would have watched that show i don't think it ever got made but the, i had to i had to go in and they gave me you they gave you some money in like three weeks so they're like Make this as best as you can. And that's really like, you know, that's where you roll up your sleeves. You're like, I'm going to start second guessing all of my life choices up to this point because I'm writing about a stripper ninja. And, you know, this is what I went to grad school for. But 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 it was I mean, it's all part of paying your dues and, and, and learning your craft and so forth. And it was a great opportunity. I mean, it put food on the table when it needed to. So but uh, yeah, I just think about like, you know, the things that were that we have to do you know, like what you were talking about, that you end up making those choices, those critical choices, whether they're personal or creative or professional. It's like, oh, I don't, yeah, everyone's, yeah. But I, you know, I kind of, I like getting out of my comfort zone because that's where I really feel like I learn and challenge myself. And I had a, I had a, a teacher, I don't, I've sort of taken this to, to heart a little bit here and there, picked and choose. But, you know, if it makes you feel uncomfortable or you're scared of it, it's probably the thing that you should do kind of mentality. And, you know, easier said than done, but uh, right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I had, uh, I was, I'm, I'm kind of narrating, I guess I would say, a documentary. Mm. And the guy's like, say this line. I'm like, that's the hackiest line ever. Like, I, I, I do comedy. I can't say this. He's like, right. oh, yes, just say it. I'm like, and I said it, you know, and I, I no energy. No. And then I'm like, I'm going to say it. And I said it a few times and I'm like, you know what? I sold it the last time. I'm like, it felt funny when it came out of my mouth that time. Hmm. So yes, it seemed uncomfortable, but give it, make actually it give it your effort. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't just half-ass it and say this is terrible. Just be like, all yeah. right, it might be terrible, but I'm going to at least dive into it. Yeah, if I'm going to be terrible, I'm going to be really good at being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Punching up someone's idea, how difficult is that? The, the stripper ninja, obviously. <laughs> I'm very curious, too. Was she, yeah. like, the, was the stripping, like, an undercover job to... You know, protect yeah, no, and it was weird because I think they were trying to get this. They were trying to get this on network TV. And I was like, "How are like you going to?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I don't know. How you... And and you know, and and I, I hope the, the original writers are watching this, but but I don't mean to slam anybody's work because somebody has to write it. Stripper Ninja, but uh, you know, but it, and I and I had a job because of it. So, but um, yeah, it's 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 so interesting because when working in media, you know, you 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 always want the the quality and the standards and the highbrow and all that kind of stuff to be there. But you know, sometimes you just you got to go low and be really good at being doing that too. But um, you know, I don't do that as much as I did in the beginning of my career of, of doing the script directing stuff. But it really like I still to this day I think 
there's really great value in reading another writer's work, whether it's produced or published or not, but just getting your eyes on, especially if it's a genre or something, stripper ninja that I would never write, um, that something you would not do yourself because you know, you're able to look at what somebody else's work looks like on a page or stage or screen or whatever the case may be and uh, and learn from it and be like, oh, you know, somewhere in there, there's something that you can learn from in terms of like, oh, they made a really interesting choice here. And then am I making those kind of choices in my work and just making it reflective and, and looking within and learning from it. So again, I sound like a teacher because I was, I am for, have been for 17 years of my life, but um I think, you know, trying to find that teachable moment or something out of everything that you do, even if it's script doctoring, something that's really dreadful, uh, you can still find, you know, it, it might be as simple as, well, here's what I'm not going to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, in this world that we live in, if streaming, I mean, there's so much content, there's so much content. And, uh, you know, I tell every writer that I meet, it's like, get your stories out there because there is an audience out there right now for everything. And not only that, but there's distribution for everything. There's a need for uh, a specialized mark, our media screens, uh, scripts that you can possibly think of. There's a streaming network for almost everything at this point. And there's subscribers to them. They're, they're keeping them alive, you know? So um, I feel like it's such a great time to be a writer, especially a writer for television and film, because there's just so many open doors and, um, you know, they have to, there's such a need for content right now that they're scrambling to get new content. If you walk in the door with a clever idea and a great script to support it, you know you're gonna you're you're gonna have some great meetings and so it's uh it's really exciting time for sure yeah no it is a it is a uh seemingly a golden age for creative types mm -hmm. want to you know wanna... i say enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the um and i'm just sitting here i'm like huh if they did that ninja stripper i mean i live like close to the strip club capital of the world here in the tampa bay area so i might get a role they have to film it here right <laughs> yeah no, i yeah i i don't remember where it was said i feel like it was like cincinnati or somewhere that wasn't like uh you know probably a rough strip would, club <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah it's, it's so funny yeah the things that we do like especially early in our careers you know then we look back on how did i how did i pull that off <laughs> <laughs> well it tells you how much i'm like wait if they started casting for that locally i'm like oh i'll be a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you there's there's i mean this is years later but i i still think there's an audience for that project there's you know some, oh, yeah. somebody, somebody would watch that that show it's i mean if you dive into the depths of like amazon prime yeah um and there are some actually legit good movies that i'm sure no one's ever heard of and i'm yeah. like i really should keep track of it because i've watched some movies i'm like don't recognize a single actor in this movie it's not you know it, it's legit a good movie it just yeah. you know it's you know get i i think it gets a buck because i watched it but probably doesn't get a lot of bucks from <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it. Yeah, again, it's like that sort of, and I, I'm worried that we're going to get to that place of oversaturation in terms of content, and then people will start sort of shutting down, turning off, mm -hmm. not paying attention to stuff. That, but yeah, I and I'm like, I'm like that too. I love like the hidden gems, is what I call it. Of like, like I'll talk about a movie with somebody like I've never heard of it. I'm like, you've got to see. And some of the most brilliant things I've seen, like ten people have heard of, but. Yeah. I'm just glad that the content is out there and has found a home because that's half the battle for that creative team behind it, including 
the actors and so forth and everybody's got to make a living (laughs) yeah and that's kind of that's kind of my thing even with podcasts it's like oh i love the three guys who do smart list but they're rich famous people who you know (laughs) 70 percent of their podcast is advertisements even though it's fun to listen to if you skip the ads i want to support the other people (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's i know it's it's interesting it's interesting uh when something that we love to do becomes a business i think that that's an interesting transition for people to make for sure that and reminding remembering that it's a business you know that's called it's called industry show business for a reason because it you know it is what we do is is an industry and so um it's hard i think for for especially artists to think about money and business and all that kind of stuff those two things sometimes i think are hard to like get along with each other and but the sooner the sooner you realize that hey this is uh a profession it's you know yeah. it's, it's uh, it can take a little bit of joy out of what you do for sure you know like um i mean i love obviously what i do and and i'm so fortunate to be able to do what i do but um there are some days when it feels like a job like any other job and you're just like <laughs> do i really have to write this scene today but you 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 find ways to power through and just be like how lucky i am to be able to do this so um yeah it's but it's uh yeah i mean if, if about 10 or 12 years ago i think i really had that wake up of like oh this is a career <laughs> and yeah. i need to treat it as such and i think as soon as i started to do that things started to, to level up in a different way than they had before because i was approaching it differently i was i was like treating it with a little bit higher level of regard and respect and then it started to give back so you hope you hope that that happens for sure yeah, no, it it's uh it's an interesting mindset to get into when you're when you're especially you know when I I, I quit my eight to five job. Gosh, it's almost been a year. Oh, By the time this podcast awesome. comes out, it'll even be closer to a year. <laughs> but but I I I was you know able to quit. I I figured if I make no money at all, I can at least make it twelve to eighteen months. Just give it a shot. You know, I'm thirty five now. It's like just. I'm not getting younger. You know, I drink at two 30 in the, in the afternoon, not every, only when I'm recording a podcast though, that's a big change I made. I'm like, if I don't have my kids, I used to be like, I'll just start drinking and I'll write. And then it's like, yeah, you don't write all that much when you drink because you're like, (laughs) Hmm, there's a new season of Ozark on. I I'll watch that while I write. Okay. I'm going to close my laptop. I need to pay attention to this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, For sure. No. And it, it takes a while. I mean, it's, that sounds, yeah, no, and it's, I, I, I'm really happy for you because it's like, it sounds like you're in a, you've kind of have figured out uh, your sweet spot, so to speak, creatively. Um, and, you know, you took a leap of faith and very, very few people do that. And I've, I've done that in my life. It's scarier than hell, uh, you know, the what ifs and so forth. But you just got to do it. You just got to, you know, leap headfirst into that fire and just like sink or swim kind of situation. And it's amazing what we're capable of doing and the occasions we're able to rise up to when we need to. And um, I think m- more people uh, should do that. I think life is very short. And I think the more leaps of faith you take, the trajectory of your life, can, like yours, can completely change. And now you're hosting this amazing broadcast and doing cool things. So I think um, the more that people do that kind of stuff, the more they'll see the things that they want come to fruition, I think, because um, it's just interesting how life works. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's I've 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 said it before on here, uh, and I I think I say it more when I'm on other people 
other people's podcasts, but it's a whole philosophy of, you know, if you love what you do and you can make a living doing it, mm-hmm. you don't need as many vacations. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. need to retire necessarily. I say, mm-hmm. you know, writing, unless your mind goes, you can do that up to the day <laughs> you die. I mean, obviously if you, you know, right. That's a different scenario, but um you know, with the amount I drink, I'm I'm not going to live to be a hundred years old. I don't need to. You might be very well preserved. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. I do fight off disease very well. Right. There, there is something. Yeah. <laughs> Stomach no, virus that's... goes around. It'll be like everyone else is vomiting for a couple of days. I'll be like, well, I, I took a B- big BM earlier. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think, uh, you know, you found something that works for you. And that's awesome. And I think a lot of people struggle to get to that spot. And uh, I certainly did, you know, of trying to figure out how to manage and how to do and I think uh, I feel this from you too, that we're both a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think that there's a lot of that energy that you have to give away. And then what's left you kind of kind of have to maximize for yourself and be like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Uh, and I'm with you, you know, not, not necessarily watching Ozark, but I'm watching something and <laughs> I have that shiny syndrome of like, oh, what's that over here? And it's, it looks more interesting than what I'm doing. I have to get up at very early in the morning and do the writing because if I don't, I will find a million reasons not to get it done. Like I'll have the cleanest kitchen and I'll have every, <laughs> my, my, my DVDs will be alphabetized, but but I wouldn't have written a single word. And so I, I know myself in terms of a lack of self-discipline. So I got to get up and, and do the writing and then it's done, you know, and then I can kind of go on about my day, but it's hard to, like we were saying earlier about like when it's just you and the screen and you don't have, you know, your boss and they're going, Hey, I need this by 12 o'clock. It's, it's all about you and finding that, that, that drive and discipline. And some mornings I got to tell you are rougher than others, you know? And uh, yeah, but <laughs> Yeah. The, the the saddest thing for me is I have a a literal paper, ca- I mean you know an old school calendar that I don't know how they sell these anymore. I think my one of my kids got it at Sunday school. I'm like I'm gonna throw this out. I'm like actually this is gonna be my new office calendar, a cheap little calendar, yeah. uh, and I'm just I'll write right from this hour to this hour, and that's the only way I found sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever done it this way. I, I do remember um, uh, one of my most productive writing days on a project that was completely stalled was uh, my buddy and I had to get our passports renewed to go to a bachelor party in Costa Rica. Uh, that sounds like great material right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell any. Well, I can tell my stories, but nobody else. <laughs> um, <coughs> everyone else was a saint. I was the only bad person there, for the record. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we had to go and we, we go get our passports renewed. We go out to lunch. I'm like, I'm just going to start drinking because I have on my calendar. I'm going to write at uh, five to, to eight o'clock tonight. So I drank. He, my buddy drops me off and, and uh, you know, I'm pretty drunk. I five o'clock I start writing and I bang out 20 pages of the screenplay and I'm like that worked (laughs) that's awesome that's a that's a that's really that's very inspiring so I've got a little catholic church calendar that I (laughs) that 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 that's my boss (laughs) yeah no well and the I mean through all of that is that level of accountability that you put on yourself of like okay I'm gonna commit you know and it's um 
somebody had said to me that I, I kept saying, oh, I'm too busy or I'm done. And it's like, you, you'll, you'll make time for the things that you want to make time for kind of mentality, what a life philosophy, life lesson kind of things. And I started to think about it and I, and I had to stop saying the challenge that they gave me was instead of saying, I'm too busy saying I didn't make time. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I had to say that a few times, I'm like, I'm going to start making time because I feel like a, I sound like, a, you know, and it's okay to be a slacker once in a while for sure. But yeah. I was like, no, I sound like a professional slacker. If I keep saying, I didn't, make the time to you know move to vote and so it was an interesting i didn't like it <laughs> because it made me be super accountable of like oh yeah i need if it's important to me i'll make time to do it kind of thing and that's so hard for people because again you're you know you've got so many people that need certain things from you throughout the day or week or whatever and you're trying to be all those things to all those people and make sure everyone's good and taken care of and sometimes there's not a whole lot left for what you love to do and who you are and the time you want to spend and that's you know it's 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 hard so yeah yeah i, sure. I give and take <laughs> <laughs> by the way this conver- i'm looking at the clock this conversation is f- I, I thought my goodness we've been talking for 15 minutes but we're uh <laughs> we're we're closer to 45 uh that's not a problem <laughs> I, <laughs> but i i wanted to bring up a couple things yeah. uh uh, one is uh, a trivia piece of yours on IMDb. Hmm. Uh, you once lived in a bamboo hut on the Greek island of Ios. I don't know if I'm saying that right. For six months. I did. God, nobody's ever asked me about that. Good research. Um, it's Eos. It's a. It's a. Eos. It's I knew I was saying it wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. My Greek is not my forte either. But yeah, I uh, my my best friend from childhood and I. She and I got this crazy idea to. She had gone before and and backpacked through Europe, and so we. Um, got on our backpacks and saved up our money and jumped on a plane and started off in Amsterdam as you always do. And then <laughs> work your way down to sober up or whatever the case may be. And we ended up in Greece and um, there was a camping, a campground kind of site there. And um, we uh, ended up living there and uh, they said, you can stay here if you help us to build bamboo huts. And so we built the bamboo hut that we ended up by hand Never done anything like this again in my life, I got to tell you. But when you're 19 and, you know, out, you know, having a great summer in Greece, you're going to do whatever you need to do to keep that going. But it was such a transfer that whole year. I spent a year in Europe and living there in different seven different places. And uh, but the bamboo hut, I got to tell you, there was such a freedom to it because, you know, you had a roof over your head and that was like the bare minimum that you needed. But um, I kept thinking to myself, I was... I wasn't old enough yet to really uh, like appreciate it on a deeper level of like, oh, this is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. I didn't know that then. But looking back, it was such a it's such a time of like, like carefree. Like I didn't have like, you know, my needs, my basic needs were met and I was just in an, in a an existing. I was I was experiencing something that very few people got to exist or experience in and uh that was not lost on me because it was just you know who gets to live in a bamboo hut on on a a greek island but i met so many crazy cool people and had so many you know wild experiences as you can imagine and all of that seeped into back into my writing at some point too but such a great experience and um it just i learned so much from it looking back not in the moment necessarily but yeah yeah it was such a cool thing and it's a beautiful island and I haven't been back since. I really need to go back there. Do, do you know what was just percolating in my mind? I should, 
probably not even say this on the podcast. <laughs> if, if this is a golden idea, I'll edit it out for you. But, but I, while you were saying this, I'm like, you know, it would be a great movie is a guy who does that 19. He lives in the, the bamboo hut he builds. He has a time of his life. And then not, this isn't you, of course, but, you know, 30 years later, this guy is just struggling. And he, 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 he's having a midlife crisis. He says, I'm going back. Mm. And he goes back and, and builds the hut and just, you know. Lives there forever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it ends, but it's, it's, it's I feel like there's a good premise there. Just the, yeah, no, you know, I, yeah. like a Larry Crown type movie. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And it's, 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 you know, it was such a intense experience in a great way, scary way, all kinds of ways, you know, being 19 and being on your own in a foreign country is pretty, you know, makes you grow up really quickly if you haven't. Um, 35 being in Costa Rica makes you grow up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, I haven't been, I, everyone tells me i need to go to costa rica i need to go do that you're just when you said it i was like i need to go to costa rica but yeah i think there, there is a lot there too and i think um you know that theme of like sort of going back and going back to your roots and like and like returning to the place of inspiration or where it all started or where it began i think there's so much beauty in that and for just being able to go back to certain physical places because space and place is such an important part of our lives and just being like oh yeah and then like yeah, like what you're saying, sort of like having that reflective moment and, and coming back and just seeing it through different eyes, different experiences, you know, because um, everything like I don't know about if you've ever experienced this, but I've gone back to places that I remembered from my younger life. And I'm like, this is a lot smaller. Than I remember oh, it yeah, it's like, always smaller. Like, like, it's not as nice as I remember it to be, or whatever the you know, whatever the, the clouded memory is. But um, yeah, no. So the bamboo hut was was such an extraordinary a wonderful time in my life. Interestingly enough, I met a lot of people on that in that year of my life from other countries, and I'm I'm still connected to them. Thank you, social media. Oh, wow. So I made a lot of like lifelong friendships with people from different places and cultures that have had a huge impact on my life. So that I'm very very grateful for. That that that, that was my big takeaway was was people relationships. So yeah, no, well, I think that's uh, from a. Not for just from a, a a person perspective. I think that's always the the basis of life is just connections you make with people. Mm -hmm. You know the I think the uh, interesting thing is like the scenery. I feel like that is important from a sense memory thing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, smells, visuals, sounds, all that stuff. But I, I, this is my own thing. It's always like it doesn't matter where you are. It's just connect with people, and that's the. That's what life is. Everything, sure. you know, the other stuff can be beautiful. Like I, you know, but. Uh, yeah, I, I love that you said that too, because that's so much about who I am. It's just, you know, we're all people, we're all in this together. And I think it's so easy to lose sight of that because I think the differences get to the forefront before the similarities. And when you really find, when two people start to talk, they start to realize, even though there are differences, the similarities are many you know and so i think oh, yeah. the more that people do that and, and and are open to that i think the more that a lot of really cool things can can come about you know collaboration of, of the soul and the heart <laughs> yeah no I, I i think people who disagree should talk more often <laughs> yeah and i yeah and i i also think it's really but this is probably i don't know if this is controversial to say but really think it's important to surround yourself with not everybody who agrees with you like i think mm -hmm. you have to have people in your life who have different 
beliefs of all different kinds and and learn from that and have those those conversations and be willing to have those conversations and i love that i love having people in my life that um we are as opposite as two people can be but we're still people and we still have some sort of a connection so i'm all about that's probably why i'm a writer <laughs> so, yeah, all about I, the differences in people so i i feel like the artistic types are the ones who are most open to and I, I don't mean to stereotype, but because obviously there are people who are not, you know, right. But they're, they're, they're most open and welcome to things that they don't necessarily believe or agree with, but they still mm -hmm. want to understand it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's important. <laughs> like to, yeah, I think, I think when the world gets a little crazy, sometimes or difficult to, to comprehend we rely on the artist, we rely on the stand-up comics and the writers to get up and tell their stories and to make us feel better or relatable or uh, try to make sense out of it all. And I think if we really have that responsibility of sort of like in a cultural kind of way of to be like, okay, the world is really crazy right now and we're, let's put our differences aside and let's just talk about the craziness because we can all relate to that. You know, so I think there's such, there's such a, in what we both do, there's such a wonderful gift to be able to bring people together from different sides through our material, our content, our stories, our, the humor uh, in such a great way. And, you know, um, everybody needs to laugh. <laughs> so I think, you know, and laughter can be, they say it, it's true. It's a cliche, but it's true. Laughter is the best for medicine. And I think for a lot of people, sometimes you just got to laugh because shit gets so crazy. You're just like, there's no other way to respond to it but yeah. laughing, you know, getting through it, and and it's uh, such a it's such a great thing. And I always think of comedy as the opposite of tragedy. You know, it's just like, but there are there is there's always an element of truth in great comedy that I love. That you know, it's all rooted in yeah. truth and and you know that universal kind of truth that everybody can relate to. So it's, the scales need to balance for sure <laughs> between the for two. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I I did need to bring up because you uh, you know pre pre this podcast you had mentioned some uh, awkward celebrity uh, you didn't oh, give me specifics yeah. but I didn't know yeah. if you had a uh, I one one thing I'll say is I I met when I was in college I got a job working for the Tampa Bay Rays mm -hmm. uh, and my second day on the job Susan Sarandon came in and I had to interact with her and my uh, a couple of years later, Kevin Costner came in and I was like, and, and, and somebody's like, you were going to say a smart ass remark. I'm like, yeah, it was going to be about water world. Uh, but I decided I'm not going to say anything at all because yeah, he might punch me in the face and he, he's an intimidate, you know, I'm six two and I think he's taller than me. Um, at least he seemed taller. I don't yeah. know if he is, <laughs> but, um, my celebrity encounters are usually, I'm like, I'm just not going <laughs> to, but do you have a good uh, awkward story? Oh, yeah, so I'm like notoriously known for saying the stupidest thing when I meet us. Like, that's just like, it, it never fails. And I, it's never intentional. It just kind of happens. And I don't know if you remember um, Debbie Gibson from the 80s. Uh, you're younger than I am, so I don't know. She was a big pop star in the 80s. Teen, I have, um, we're like three or four days apart, like year birthday and everything. And of all the things I say to her, Jeff, I say, uh, yeah, our birthdays are three or four days apart. She's like, oh, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, but you're older than me. 
I mean, like, just like these things that, you know, and a woman doesn't want to hear that, you know, and she's like signing my stuff. I mean, she's just like, oh, great. Like, she couldn't wait to get to the next person. We met later, years later, and she has since forgiven me for that. But um, it's it's like uh, Amanda Bierce, who was on, she was Marcy on Married with Children. I don't know if you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she came to see a play of mine in Atlanta, and um she comes up to me she's talking to me and she's giving me feedback about the play and i and as i'm standing there i start to real and i'm eating cake because it's like at an after party kind of thing and my friends behind her like trying to signal that i have cake all over my face while i'm talking to marcy from married with children thank god there was you know no photo kind of thing but and i say to her i'm like oh my god and like literally she's talking oh my god i'm just now realizing who you are and i'm completely freaking out and she just looks at me like this strange just look at me, and she's like and you have some cake on your face and it's just you know those moments of like you know whatever could go wrong between me and a celebrity encounter uh, i would when i was in college in chicago faye dunaway from who's who's known very well in florida went to college there she um she came to our college to teach a master class in acting and they picked me to be her assistant for the day and god help me all i could think of was mommy dearest the the over the top movie that she made about joan crawford and who and she's just you know vicious in that movie and they told me i had to make her, make her hot tea and i was like trembling because all i could think was like she's gonna throw this hot tea on me and i'm gonna get scalded by fate anyway but she ended up being a lovely person but uh but every you know i just have i someday i need to write about them because there's just story after story after story about just crazy me and celebrities in my mouth just like you know working before my brain and saying really crazy stupid things so yeah wouldn't yeah. be life without you know some element of surprise i i luckily learned at a young age it's like yeah less is more sometimes with it. <laughs> because uh I, I remember making a joke uh john gruden was the coach of the bucks and he came in and he was i was giving him tickets and i made a joke because i'm not a bucks fan i'm a saints fan so i made a joke and he just looked at me he's like Okay. And then <laughs> I'm like, oh, he doesn't, he's not interested in my jokes. Uh, I do, but I did, even this past year, I went to a comedy show in Tampa and the feature act, I don't know if you know Mark Norman, he was the headliner, uh, hilarious comedian. He's gotten very famous recently because of YouTube, frankly, but he was, he did get on Netflix recently. Mm. And uh, his feature act was on my podcast. And I'm like, so I, after the show, I go, I take a picture with him. Like, yeah, I came to see Sean Murphy. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's good. I'm like, oh, that sounded so offensive. Now that I think about it, I, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like oh. something I would say and do for sure. Absolutely. So I'm I like, could ah. definitely relate. I've been drinking for a little bit. Not long enough that that was inexcusable. <laughs> I'm like, eh, came to see you too. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. it's so interesting too. And you know, you you it, you feel like you know them already because they're a public figure, but then you realize, oh, they're people too, and they have feelings and all those other kind of complicated things. So yeah, it's it's interesting, but it does make for great stories. I got to tell you, I mean, I've yeah, I've yet to like have a an encounter a meeting with somebody famous and me not saying something so my lesson learned is just like you were saying less is more i have to trust but don't say it don't say it you're like in my head don't say it don't say it yeah no it's just like just just be cool be cool <laughs> <laughs> just so sometimes cool. i've had interactions where 
the simple thing is like I, I I ran into a very famous not Tiger Woods but another very famous golfer at Disney World while I was with my family, whole family, mm-hmm. parents, siblings, kids, their kids, and we were in line behind them, and I was just kind of you know like giving them the look like I know this guy, and we made eye contact, and it was the I saw oh he knows who I am, and he yeah. saw I know who this is, and I just nodded. This. and he gave me a thumbs up nodded and i'm like oh. that was a recognition of i'm not gonna say anything but it's cool to see you it's, yeah good, good good to see you i'm like sometimes silence is the best option so true yeah that's a lesson i clearly need to practice for myself. uh you know but the stories are better sometimes <laughs> uh Put your foot in your mouth. You got a good story. Say nothing. For sure. <laughs> true. It's true. I definitely remember all of. I don't know if they do, but I definitely remember all of those those moments very vividly. So, that's that's yeah. one of those things where it's like one day Mark Norman will come on my podcast. I'll be like, "Do you remember that asshole in Tampa who said he came to see your feature act?" <laughs> <laughs> that was me. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Hopefully, I've lost some weight since then. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, David Matthew. Um, I could talk to you for hours and hours, but, uh, for the listener's sake, uh, well, I shouldn't say that for your sake, (laughs) you, you probably have better things to do. Um, but I do want to, uh, ask you, and I will link everything in the show notes, of course, where can people find you, uh, and your novels and, and all of that? Yeah, no, thank you for that. So my, my, all of my books, my plays, everything I've written, you can get through Amazon uh, and other major bookstores, but Amazon car- cover, carries everything. And I have a website as well, which is uh, dmatthewb.com, two T's in Matthew. Uh, and I'm on social media and I welcome, you know, reach out if, if you're, if I can help in some way or offer advice or, or uh, anything, I, I, you know, I'm all about being accessible and having people reach out uh, from all walks of life and, uh, you know, a lot of people helped me as we talked about, and I believe in pay it forward wholeheartedly. So I always say, reach out to me. I'm all over. So no, there's no witness protection program for me ever because I'm all over social media. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, no, that's where people can reach out and I hope they do. Yeah. And thank you for this, Jeff. The conversation has been great. And uh, I, I just, you're such an awesome guy and I just really appreciate it. Thank you for what you do. I mean, you give this great platform for people to come on and, and share about what they do. And uh, it's such great, great work that you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, this has been a uh, uh, educational and very entertaining and fun conversation at the same time, for me, at least. We'll uh, let the listeners too. rate us on IMDb. <laughs> 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 all right. Thank you again. Uh, David Matthew Barnes, check him out at all of the links that will be in the show notes beneath wherever you're listening to this episode. All right, that was it. That was the episode. Thank you, David Matthew Barnes, for joining me. I had such a great time uh, chatting with him, and uh, I hope that our paths cross again for sure. So thank you for joining me. Uh, Sorry, I'm real brief on the intro and outro, but maybe you don't mind that. Uh, But uh, again, the uh, people forget the uh, old school uh, influenza. That's That's an ass kicker every time. Uh, and, uh, 
in in fairness very anecdotal but i think this is the first year probably since i got the flu in 2003 i remember because uh i went to a saints jacksonville jaguars game in 30 degree weather with 104 fever uh which you know back then was just you know that's what tough guys do you know uh now you know it's like genocide or something i i suppose but anyways i haven't haven't uh, haven't been out and about with the flu, and I'm basically all better. But uh, I tell you what, having multiple days with fevers, uh, the, even with medication, you can't get under 102. Uh, oof. Never been on an acid trip, but I can't imagine it does worse things for your brain than that kind of prolonged fever state does. So that was fun, uh, <laughs> but I'm past it. Uh, I did record a podcast uh, on uh, kind of day one-ish of having the flu. Um, that one actually is coming out next week. One I'm super excited for and uh, upset. I, you know, the guest really had to carry me. I was having a rough go. It'd be interesting how much you can tell. Um, I did a lot of editing of uh, clearing of throats and coughing in the audio for that so hopefully it's not uh bad to listen to um but uh (laughs) you'll you'll get to hear that one next week uh so hey hope you enjoyed this episode again david matthew barnes check out his works and uh support him uh because he's a good dude and uh you know he uh has been a very successful and prolific writer So, hey, thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe, share with a friend, uh, rate these episodes on IMDb, and rate the podcast. Um, One of the top-rated comedy podcasts on IMDb, this one right here. Um, Rate the episodes, too. It gives me a nice idea of which ones you like, which one you don't. Um, You know, maybe can do some self-scouting on both myself and, and, you know, the type of guests I get. Uh, so, so do me a favor and do yourself a favor. If you listen to the program, uh, subscribe to the YouTube, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok, any, and all of those things that you have right on Apple, Spotify, and IMDb, as I mentioned. And, uh, Hey, hit me up. If you ever want to chat, uh, you can contact me through my website, jeffmacalino.com or through any of those social media things, uh, that I mentioned. Except for, I don't know if you can message people on TikTok. I don't really know how to do much on there. So anyways, until next week, uh, hopefully I will sound better, uh, at least in my intro and outro. I I know I will. Uh, And uh, hopefully you stay healthy wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Peace.